The scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you, know, you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now this morning, we're, we're in our third of a series of sermons on stewardship. We're considering stewardship from an holistic perspective. We're considering it from the perspective of the promises that we make when we join the Methodist Church, promises to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And we're pairing those promises and how we keep those promises with the renewed vision and the core values and the discipleship pathway that our leaders have been working on over the last six months. If you were with us last Sunday, you heard Julia Magda explain the core values. Today, Katie Griffiths is talking about our renewed vision, making known the heart of God from the heart of downtown Macon. And next week, when we're outside on the street in front of Mulberry with a combined worship service, Andy Watson will share with us his thoughts on our discipleship pathway. So today we're going to look at the scripture you've just heard read, and we're going to see what it might teach us about stewardship. I want you to keep in mind where this story is occurring. This story is taking place in Jerusalem in the temple during the last week of Jesus' life. If you'll remember, he entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey, sending a very clear message that he was a king coming in peace. And then he went to the temple and he found the temple to be not a place of worship, but a place of business. He found money changers. He found people selling animals for sacrifice. And he was so upset that he turned the tables over and drove these people out. And unfortunately, when he did that, the religious leaders of the temple just doubled their efforts to find a way to try to get rid of him because he was messing with their business. Now Jesus is in the temple, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's sharing, and the religious leaders are paying close attention. First, they ask him, by whose authority are you doing all of these things? And, and then they try to accuse him of not following God's holy law. And now today they have come back to him and said, we actually know that you believe in God's holy law. We believe that you are a moral man and that you are not swayed by what men say. So we have a very important question to ask you. What they were trying to do was trick him. They had one of those gotcha questions. 
He was going to be wrong no matter how he answered. So they asked him, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? They weren't asking, is it legal to pay taxes to Caesar? They were asking, is it morally right to pay taxes to Caesar? I know that there are a number of folks who have preached sermons on politics based on this passage of Scripture, but we're not going there today. This is not a sermon on politics because that was not the question that Jesus was answering. Jesus was not giving us an answer on how to separate our political realm and and our religious realm. The Pharisees really didn't care how Jesus answered. They thought they had him trapped, no matter what he said. They ask if it was right to pay taxes to Caesar, and if he says yes, then all of the people of Israel would have turned against him because the taxes were oppressive to them. The taxes were what funded the the Roman legions who maintained order in a very brutal way in the nation of Israel. So the people of Israel did not want to pay the taxes. Jesus would have angered them if he had said yes. And at the same time, if Jesus said, no, you should not pay taxes to Caesar, he would have been in trouble with the law. The Pharisees could have turned him over to the legal authorities and he could have been tried for treason. So they were just convinced that they had the right question to ask him to get him in trouble either way. And Jesus looked at them. He knew their intent. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were trying to accomplish, and he called them on it. And then he asked them for a coin. Show me a coin used to pay the taxes. Now, these Pharisees should not have had one of those coins on their person in the temple, but one of them did, and they showed him the coin. Jesus asked whose picture was on it, and they said, Caesar's. And then Jesus gave an interesting answer. What he basically said is, you have dual citizenship. When you live here on earth, you are citizens of earth, and therefore you owe to the leaders of earth what is normally owed to those people. And yet at the same time, while you are living on earth, you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and a part of you belongs to God. So you need to give to God what is his. You need to give to Caesar, to the world, what belongs to Caesar. You need to give to God what belongs to God. That raises the question, how do we tell the difference? How do we tell what belongs to God? How do we tell what belongs to the world, what belongs to Caesar? And I think that there's an amazingly simple answer. Because you see, every one of us who has breath has life because God has given it to us. And at some point in time, our lives will end. Every one of us face that prospect of our lives ending. And when we leave this world, when we leave this life, for the next life, there are some things that we can take with us, and there are things that we can't take with us. The things that we can take with us are the things of God. The things that we can't take with us, the material possessions that we have, belong to the world. Think about it. When we leave this world for the next world, when we leave this life for life in the presence of God, we can take with us our spirit, our soul. 
that part of us that God breathed into us when he created us, we take our relationship with God. We take the way that we lived in the love that he shared with us. We take our relationships with others with whom we shared the love of God. We can take all of these things with us. We take our hearts, we take our motives, we take our intent, we take our attitudes, We take our willingness to submit to the Lordship of Christ. We take the joy of knowing that we gave ourselves over to God for His use, for His purposes. Or we take with us the realization that we didn't do any of the above and what that might mean for us afterwards. So these are all things that we can take with us when we leave this earth. The material things, like our houses, our cars, our offices, our clothes, our jewelry, our bank accounts, these things belong to the world. We can't take them with us. They stay here. Now, there's an old preacher joke that I'm going to share with you. And by the way, I love old preacher jokes, and I don't mean that the preacher telling the jokes had to be old, but that the joke that the preacher told was pretty old, maybe even past its prime. So if you have any of those, email me, share those with me. But there's an old preacher joke about the man who wanted to take a suitcase with him to heaven. And he packed that suitcase, and he spent years in his prayer time begging God to let him bring the suitcase to heaven. Let him just bring this one suitcase. That's all he wanted, one suitcase. And so at his time of death, the angels met him and said, look, what is this suitcase thing? And, and he implored them, let me just bring this one suitcase. So the angels finally gave in. You can bring this one suitcase. Absolutely, let us help you pick it up. So they helped him pick the suitcase up. He took the suitcase with him to heaven. He got to the the pearly gates, and there's St. Peter, and he's saying to St. Peter, I'm ready to come in, got my suitcase, good to go. And St. Peter said, what is it with this suitcase thing? What is so important that you had to bring it with you? Show me what's in your suitcase. So the man opens the suitcase, and it is a suitcase full of gold completely packed full of gold, a lifetime's worth of treasure in that one suitcase. And St. Peter looked at him and said, pavement? You brought pavement to heaven? And the man said, no, I brought gold. What are you talking about pavement? St. Peter said, that's what we pave the streets of heaven with. What we think is so important here on earth It's just a tool for paving the streets in heaven. Now, here's the tricky part. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Just because something is of the world, just because we have material possessions that belong to the world and have to stay here when we leave, that does not mean that they are unimportant to God. No. God created the world. He created everything in it. He even created the gold that we find so precious. God doesn't want us to put the things of the world ahead of him and the things of God in importance in our lives. But that doesn't mean that what we have here on earth is unimportant. No. While we can't take these things to heaven with us, we can use them to build the kingdom of heaven 
right here on earth, to build the kingdom of heaven right here in downtown Macon, right here for everyone to see and recognize. So stewardship is about how we use the things that belong to the world in service to God. So the question is really not as much about what belongs to God versus what belongs to the world, but a a more accurate question would be, will we offer the things of the world to God for use in his service and for his purposes? The way we answer that question demonstrates to God and to the world what we believe about the authority of God over the authority of the world. And the way we answer that question becomes our own personal definition of stewardship. Now, in this story that we're told in Scripture, they talk about Caesar, and Jesus asked for the coin and said, whose picture is on the coin? And of course it was Caesar. Caesar claimed the things of the world by putting his imprint on the money. God has claimed us by putting his imprint on us. We're told in Genesis chapter 1 that we are made in God's image. We are made to be like God. Our lives are created to honor God, to bring him glory. And as we give our lives and our belongings over to God, we find that our priorities begin to change and that what is important to us changes, what used to be important becomes less so, and we develop a desire to please God more than anything. As we give our lives over to God, what we find is that the things of this world become tools that we use to build the kingdom of God and to serve Him right here in Macon. Stewardship is about whose we are more than it is about what we have accumulated. And when we acknowledge that, when we acknowledge that everything that we are, all that we are as a human being, all that we have belongs to God, then stewardship becomes about God's purpose and God's glory. Pleasing God becomes our greatest desire and serving God becomes our most important work. Stewardship becomes the way to glorify God through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And it becomes a great joy because we're giving over to God all that we can. Our leadership here in the church has spent several months discerning a call from God. And what they have heard is that God is calling us to make known the heart of God from the heart of downtown Macon. And my question to you today is, will you be a part of that vision? Will you offer your heart to God? Will you offer your resources to God so that together we can build the kingdom of heaven right here for the glory of God, for his everlasting glory? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.